is Popcorn for Breakfast, presented by St. Louis Area Smoothie Kings. Now, here are your hosts, Cam and Kirk. Oh, welcome, welcome in, Popcorn for Breakfastians. Thank you for lending your ears so we can lend you our thoughts on movies and stuff. Today, I know it's going to be crazy, but we have another double movie review. Today's episode will explore Haunted Mansion and They Cloned Tyrone. Cameron saw Haunted Mansion, I saw They Cloned Tyrone, and we're going to kick it off with the synopsis of The Haunted Mansion. Strap in. Happy haunting, my precious listeners. A remake of The Haunted Mansion is now in theaters, starring Lakeith Stanfield, Rosario Dawson, Owen Wilson, and Morbius himself. Can the superstar power bode better than Eddie Murphy's ghoulish flop? (laughs) Or will our stars suffer the same fate and be dragged to the grave? Along with their Rotten Tomato score, help us decide on this thrilling ride. It's Haunted Mansion. Did this movie get annihilated by Rotten Tomatoes? I don't know. I'm not quite sure. You said dragged to the grave along with its Rotten Tomatoes score. I... I know that there's been mixed reviews, but okay. I, I have not watched them closely. Um, and I really just wanted to say, have something say <laughs> dragged to the grave. It was great. It was great. I, I was like, are you sure you haven't seen this movie? Because you've got, <laughs> you've got a lot of like good, good notes in your synopsis there. I like it. Oh, good. Um, I don't know. I haven't read the Rotten Tomatoes at all for this movie. Um, but I'm going to give you my thoughts. Well, and then afterwards, I will run to Rotten Tomatoes to check. Because I was trying to, <laughs> trying to avoid it. Clear mind, clear heart, you know. This is something that we have talked about for a long time because there's mm. sometimes like just weeks we can't avoid where there's just a conflict. Um, one week there was a movie that I just could not be a part of and you reviewed. I think it was The Woman King. The Woman King. Yes. Like I was just not available. I was sick. I don't know what happened. And this is the first time that Cameron will be reviewing one movie. Yes. And I will be reviewing a different one. And I have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. We're just keeping you on your toes. We're keeping you on your toes. Yeah. And the, you know, the one that I'm reviewing is major studio Disney uh, based on a theme park ride. And so it's kind of your traditional like in theater supposed to be blockbuster. Didn't do too well at the box office type of movie. And then we're also given a taste of what's going on on Netflix, which is nice too. They clone Tyrone. It is somewhat of an indie feel, but with a good, great, strong production. It's produced by it's uh, the streaming through Netflix. I forget all the production notes on it, but it's very, very star studded part of Netflix's formula. And again, honestly, part very similar to Haunted Mansion's formula. Put a bunch of stars, bake them in there and get people to come. Haunted Mansion came in with currently 24.2 million dollars sheesh <laughs> that's that's really not good um i think it was in third place it's opening weekend which is not good behind yeah. barbie and oppenheimer which both released last weekend barbie rolled in i think another 93 million dollars this last weekend it sure did um so you're talking like three times as much as the haunted mansion and the haunted mansion had a budget of 150 million dollars so they got a long Road to go to get into the black, but it was not a good start for them. You have to wonder what compelled them to release a movie like this in July rather than in October. Uh, Some are speculating that it'll be on Disney Plus in October. And I'm just like, would you rather have butts and seats in the theater or people at Disney Plus streaming you know, for anybody who's an investor in any of these media companies, I unfortunately am in multiple of them. It has not been a great year, uh, but 
you know, you know that streaming is a revenue generator, but not a profitability generator. Whereas right. movies can be if you generate enough interest around it. And so I'm surprised that they would, you know, if that was the choice that was made, would they openly kind of sabotage their box office just to get better streaming figures? It's hard to believe. Weird move. This should have yeah. been dropped the last weekend in September. Easily. Yeah. That's the easy choice for this film. Yeah, and the competition was so steep this week. It's it's hard to know exactly what they were thinking, but my theater was full. I will say that. Okay. My theater was completely full, and uh, I got to see it. I'm excited to give you my thoughts. Who'd you go with? Was it just you and, and No, I went wife? with my wife. Okay. I went with my wife, uh, Jackie. We're both... Um, Huge fans of the Haunted Mansion ride. Yep. And uh, our son actually had a Haunted Mansion birthday party. Uh, so very near and dear to our hearts. And so I, I like to go see the Disney stuff with my wife because she's very much into it. And uh, yeah, it was nice. Nice I, to get away I and see it. I love that. I also love the Haunted Mansion. Yes. My kids are horrified of the Haunted Mansion. <laughs> Yeah, it's a rite of passage. I mean, you got to go through that stage. Your kids will mention it to mine, and they will not sleep in their room for <laughs> a week. You're welcome. You're welcome for that. <laughs> when they went to the birthday party, I kid you not, they were, they were, all, they almost didn't come because they knew it was haunted mansion themed. Oh man! They walked in. They're like, okay, okay. There's ghosts on the wall, and it really, it really messed with their very heads. spooky stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I loved it. I think everything. I probably was didn't perfect. help that I was standing at the door of the birthday party going. Welcome, <laughs> foolish mortals, to the haunted mansion. No, I didn't do that. Yeah, but. and you added a full like uh, conveyor belt where yep. you, where people got on and off. Yeah, you just kind of rode around my house. Yeah, you guys really cool. really went all out. We went all out for sure. You buried dead bodies in your. Well, <laughs> that actually wasn't for the party. But oh, we'll, we'll okay. talk about that later. <laughs> so great experience uh, uh, so far with what you've had in the movie theater. Let's get into what. We talk about the superlatives of everything because I want to hear about your the best hits of this film. Uh, what we're going to start with, of course, Cam, is, and the Oscar goes to, which is your honor to give to your favorite actor in this film that really stood out to you and had the absolute best performance. Yeah, this one's tough because, like you said, there's a huge cast list for this with a lot of names that people will recognize. Maybe not necessarily A-list, but certainly in that next tier, people like Lakeith Stanfield, Rosaria Dawson, Owen Wilson, Jared Leto, um, Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, uh, Danny DeVito, and the list goes on and on and on. So there's a ton of people in here. After much deliberation, I have decided to go with Lakeith Stanfield. Um, I almost went with Rosario Dawson because I feel like she gave the most consistent performance in the movie, but her character was awful just like so poorly written she had nothing to work with at all um she was just like a very generic mom very poorly written i felt so bad for her but she acted her butt off she did a good job with what she had which again was very little Um, i'm gonna go with lakeith stanfield who plays the lead character ben in this movie and he's got you know a lot of different character dynamics going on in the film he's got uh things that are going into his from his past that kind of impact who he is now. And this whole experience of going to the haunted mansion, being asked to come to the haunted mansion by Rosario Dawson to check things out, as you've seen in the trailers, um, it, it, it awakens some thoughts and memories and things like that for him. And he kind of goes through this, this personal journey. And so his character had a lot of depth. There was very much an unevenness to his performance in the sense that, 
this and it comes more from the movie and the way the movie was written because this movie had a really hard time getting out of the starting block. But once we are into the thick of the plot of the film, he settles in and he really becomes, uh, you know, a leading player in this film. Yeah. And, you know, we love Lakeith Stanfield on this show. We've, we've, we've given him accolades in the past. Um, very much felt the role of, you know, somebody of his caliber and what we've seen him do in the past. And it was like, okay, that's the Lakeith Stanfield that we know and love. Um, I thought he did it uh, a good job, had an overall good control once we got to the middle section of the movie, but that beginning was rough, but overall still giving him my Oscar. I think he's a great actor. This was his first like major budget kind of like major studio movie. He's done a lot of like lower budget or more, um, like indie type films in the mm-hmm. past, but this was his first like major leading role. And I thought all things considered, he, he felt like he belonged there. That's good. As your Oscar winner in a movie that has a lot of fear in it, did he have a good scream when he needed to scream? Yeah. Yeah. He had a very, he had a very funny kind of approach to it because his character was kind of like, I'm not afraid of ghosts type of guy. Yeah. And, yeah. and so uh, there were a lot of, there were, there, you know, there's a lot of comedy in this movie and he had a lot of good moments of, you know, acting like he was tough and then being like, nope, can't do it. I'm out of here. <laughs> um, so there was, there were some good, 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 good moments. There. That's awesome. It's like the Indiana Jones. Uh, I'm, I'm afraid of nothing except snakes. Except snakes. Yeah. <laughs> except snakes. Yeah. It's exactly like that. I love it. I love it. Great first pick. Let's talk about your scene stealer, which is the best supporting actor who caught your eye, who stole the show at times. Who's that for you today? Yeah, I expected more out of this supporting cast. I have to say, I was I was pretty let down, particularly by Jamie Lee Curtis, Tiffany Haddish. Um, uh, there's some stinkers in this movie in terms of performances. I hate to say it, but there really are. For me, the one consistent calming force in this movie was Owen Wilson. That's my, ah. that's my scene stealer. He just uh, played a total veteran role in this movie. He understood his role. He played it. He stayed within the confines of that character. Didn't try to do too much with it. He never really does try to do too much with his characters. He's really good at playing kind of like an understated role. Yeah. Um, delivered bits of comedy here and there in the in only way that he can do with, with his great um, comedic timing and, and the kind of delivery he has, which is just kind of like inherently funny. Uh, but he really did kind of calm things down. He is more involved in the middle section of this movie, which I think is the strongest portion of it. And a lot of those sequences, a lot of the dialogue where you have multiple different characters going on that are interchanging lines back and forth, he was helping to keep the timing right, to keep the tone right. And you could feel it kind of like he, he in a lot of ways, him and Lakeith and Rosario Dawson were kind of the conduits for um, controlling the energy of the scene. And I thought he did a very good job with all of that. Who you said the supporting cast wasn't, wasn't fantastic. If you had to pick a runner up to the, your best supporting actor, who would be it next? Would it be Tiffany? Would it be, I mean, not Jamie Lee Curtis. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, girlfriend. Potentially who, Danny DeVito. Okay. <laughs> um, just because the, the comedy, the comedy element was there. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, I've never really felt that Tiffany Haddish was that good of an actor. I think she's a very yeah. funny person. And so a lot of times in a movie, she can have great line reads because she just is very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, you know, sometimes with Jamie Lee Curtis, you see her kind of phone in roles like this that are kind of like paycheck roles. This was definitely the case with this movie. <laughs> um, and Jared Leto's role is very strange. Uh, 
Dan Levy's role is is strange as well and and small in nature. So yeah, I think I would have to go with Danny DeVito out of everybody else. Beautiful. Next up, I want to know about the production value here. The showstopper. Was there a scene or a theme or a concept that, that was stretched throughout the entire film that really made this movie hum? Like what was it that you say that was the best part of the film? I think for me, it's the second act. This movie follows a traditional three-act structure, and the second act, they do almost like a um, a heist movie type thing where they're kind of assembling oh. their team uh, in a very stereotypical, cliche kind of way. But the pacing through that section is perfect, and, and the pacing really struggles in the first act and the second act. I mean, really drags. And also... The first act just feels like a means of getting to the second act. Like they didn't actually, it, it's as if they wrote the middle of the movie and then they're like, crap, we got to figure <laughs> out a way to get all these people here. And so the first part of the movie is just really, really tough to get through. Uh, but once you get to the second act and you're, you know, you're like, okay, everybody we need to be here is here. We're in the mansion. We're trying to do stuff. Um, it, it picks up the pace. It picks up the energy, the, the, it just felt like everybody, including the director, Justin Simeon, was more comfortable with all everybody together in that mansion. It's kind of like whenever you're like scared uh, at a haunted house or something, but you have a big group. When you have your whole group together, you feel better, more confident, uh-huh. good. And that second act is where that happens, and that's where you can get some pretty good laughs. That's where you feel general energy around the movie, and the pacing uh, helps it to kind of move along. Very nice. One of the things that I was wondering is, does any part of the cinematography of this film mimic the ride? Like, is there any point where it feels like you're going backwards and down a hill into the graveyard or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, they have some moments where you're like, oh, that feels like, you know, you see something at that exact same angle in the ride, and so there's stuff like that. But overall, I didn't necessarily feel that the lighting and overall production design of the inside of the mansion, it wasn't all that reminiscent of the actual haunted mansion ride in that many ways. Uh, Certainly not enough as much as I wanted it to be, but there were moments. There were definitely moments. Awesome. Well, that's great. My favorite part of any episode, especially review episode is to pick apart the movie because we get to pretend that we are the director of the film or our future role uh, in the movie industry, where we are the consultants to the the story of the film, and we get to actually make better movies out there. So Mm -hmm. tell me what your director's shoes are that you would change about this film. This movie, in the worst way possible, felt like a classic case of too much studio oversight going on there. So I think my director's shoes would be, um, oddly, if you can even say this, like, more confidence from Justin Simeon and a more solid vision on his part for the movie that he was trying to create. So Justin Simeon uh, broke onto the scene with Dear White People, both the, the feature film as well as the television series, neither of which I've actually seen, but that was sort of his claim to fame. And as big studios are wont to do, he was plucked up and brought into the studio to helm some of their bigger projects so they can say, look at this cool indie director that we got to direct this movie. But I think that, um, and this is in, in no way a dog on his capabilities as a director or anything like that. I think there was just uh, kind of a, a lack of 
uh, sureness and, and confidence to be able to say, this is my vision for the movie. This is how I want it to turn out. This is what the end product should be. And that's what I'm going to go out and do because it felt like there were times where certain plot things happen and you're like, that feels like the studio came in and said, we should do this because our fans will like it better. And there were certain story elements where you're like, okay, somebody else wrote this script. The studio liked it. They gave it to Justin Simeon and he was like, I, you know, good money. I'm going to make this thing work. Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of speculation in that, but I'm just telling you when you watch this movie, there's a sense of that, like too many cooks in the kitchen type of thing and not enough of a clear vision of what we were trying to do. Because again, it felt like in the middle section of the movie where it's like, this is the basis of their concept for this film. Things were decently strong, but all around the fringes, a mess The the, the third act, the finale of this movie, horrific. The first act, terrible. I mean, looks so low quality. All of it, it, it looks bad. It it's the dialogue is clunky. There's just major, major problems. And I think that if he had come in and said, Hey, I wrote this script for a haunted mansion movie. Here's the direction I think we should go. Here's how it's going to turn out. First, second, third act all the way through clear vision, consistent. It would have been a lot better. And that's definitely not what was going on here. Mm. Okay. Okay. Why don't you wrap this up with a bow for us, Cam? I want your final thoughts and yeah. score out of 10 kernels. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, this movie was a big disappointment. I, I wanted very badly to like it because I had seen a couple of trailers where I felt like there were moments that were good. Unfortunately, all of the good moments for the trailer were the only good moments in the movie in terms of laughs or in terms of like things looking good from a visual effects perspective. There's a lot of inconsistency going on with the um, visual aesthetic. The stakes of the movie are um, low. And so the movie feels it just overall very boring. You never feel really like excited or worried or anything. You don't feel much at all. Um, there's a couple characters you care about here and there. And there's a couple through lines that are pretty solid, but overall it's just, a bit of a mess. It feels very corporate. It feels very cookie cutter. Yeah. It feels at times very low quality and cheap. Like we'll call it the haunted mansion and they'll just show up. Um, which <laughs> I, I hate that feeling more than anything whenever I'm watching a film, like yeah. I'm just being bought and sold. Um, this movie has a lot of that. So unfortunately the highest I can go on it is a 2.5 out of 10 kernels. I was not a fan. Dragged to the grave indeed. (laughs) I was not a fan. And that's why I said I'll be interested to see what Rotten Tomatoes has to say about the movie because uh, for me, it was not a winner. Wow. Wow. Would you watch this again? Obviously not in theaters, but would you watch it again at home on purpose? I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think I would because I have a really, again, a fond place in my heart for the Haunted Mansion movie or for the ride. And this movie gives me the opposite of those feelings. So I'd rather just be like, eh, no, that's another Disney live action ride, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. That just didn't work out. And I'll just forget that it exists. What a crazy thing that you have an original idea. Disney had an original idea that could never be transformed into a movie and that any attempt at it fails. Disastrously. Yeah. It's It's so fascinating. It's real bad. Say that score again. 2.5 out of 10 kernels. 2.5 out of 10 kernels. Well, now's a great place to stop and talk about something more refreshing (laughs) than Haunted Mansion. And I got to tell you, that's going to be the St. Louis area Smoothie Kings. 
way better. It's going to give you way more pep to your step. It's going to feel nutritious. It's not going to drag you down or your Rotten Tomatoes score or your day. It's going to vibe you up. It's going to rev you up. It's going to make you seize the day with their smoothies. I mean, you can you can do any kinds of things. There's nutritional needs. You can stay strong. You can help others reach their goals. And you can get a sweet treat if you want to. It's the best thing you can do for your body. My favorite, I've got two favorites uh, smoothies. Mm. I typically get the 20 ounce. There's three sizes. I typically get the 20 ounce and I normally get the peanut power plus. Ooh. So good. It's a meal replacement one. It makes me feel good. It energizes me for the day. And I don't feel too full and I don't feel too hungry at the end of it as well. I don't get any additives to it because that stuff is so powerful for what I need for the day. Mm -hmm. My other one is the Lean One Chocolate and I Mm -hmm. sub almonds for almond butter you can sub all sorts of stuff oh yeah it's it's choose your own adventure i mean it's like (laughs) it's like ultimate customization it's just like going to like a coffee shop people love to do customization at coffee shop smoothie king it's like that to the nth degree and you can just radically change your smoothie to be super customized yeah it's great i do feel pretty pretty frou-frou when i say like oh can i please uh, substitute my almonds for almond butter oh yeah ma'am delicious uh, i'm a really uh, anxious person when i order so i'm really thankful for the giant board that says add your you know add on this fuel up here treat yourself here the menu is so easy to read and don't forget you can get the the limited time extreme watermelon smoothie Mm. along with the smoothie bowls who are here to stay the different add-ons, the different bases. Everything is good at Smoothie King. Fruity and delicious. Fruity and delicious. Make sure that you can get a smoothie with purpose, nurturing passion, nourishing purpose today. You can check out a couple of their locations, the ones that we like to visit. Of course, the ones that are close to us are over on East Belleville, 660 Carlisle Avenue, or in Granite City, 3401 Namioki Road in Granite City. We also have an incredible uh, network in the St. Louis area. Uh, One in particular is over in Forest Park, uh, Forest Park Avenue. There's a, a fantastic location there. If you're out and about Lots of stuff to do over in that area, and make sure you stop in and support that location too. Smoothie King, get your smoothie today. No, I want a smoothie. I want two smoothies, but yeah. I can't. Both of the ones you just mentioned? Both of them. At the same time, I'm going to go Double out. fist in it? Yeah, yeah, I like it. <laughs> Respect. I think uh, next week we should have smoothies in yeah. here and drink them while we That's talk. That's great. Just like... Just no, like, don't like that. Never, <laughs> never mouth noises on the mic. I'm like Kirk will tell you. I there's nothing I hate more than that. Mouth noises on the mic. It's like instant death to anyone. Yeah. Cam's actually gonna put a sensor noise over that so that none of you have to. <laughs> I am beep, <laughs> and then I'm gonna add something that punches you in the face from your microphone anytime you do it. Not like in the video, like legit. It's gonna pop up out of this table. It is. Yeah, it's gonna be an actual thing and knock me over. Well, I deserve it, I guess, <laughs> for that kind you of. Do. Awful noise. But let's get into our second movie here, which I saw. You can see it on Netflix. You can see Haunted Mansion in theaters right now. Uh, They cloned Tyrone. Here's the synopsis. Something strange is happening in the Glen. Fontaine, a drug dealer, teams up with Yo-Yo and Slick Charles. Using their acute intuition and acquired hustling skills, they soon discover a huge government cover-up happening right under their noses. A massive cloning operation dedicated to their small community. Follow the breadcrumbs with our witty characters in They Cloned Tyrone. Now streaming on Netflix. 
I'm just trying to follow along with these names, Kirk, because I haven't gotten a chance to check this out. I've actually been off of Netflix for a while due to the password sharing crackdown. Yeah. Which, by the way, Netflix, <laughs> end it. End it. End the, <laughs> I don't want to have this stalemate anymore. End it now. It needs to end. This has gone far enough. Um, anyway. Uh, <laughs> You're the I'll, last holdout. I'm the last holdout. I literally, I think I am. I, I don't even know what I'm doing at this point, but I haven't seen it yet. I'm dying to see it, which is why I'll eventually get my own account and end this charade that I'm that I'm <laughs> carrying on. But I was trying to keep up with the names on that movie. Yeah. Yo-Yo. Yo-Yo. Played- Slick Charles. Yes. Yeah. What, what was the other one? Fontaine. Fontaine. Yeah, that was the first one. Yes. And if if Fontaine is the calmest name out of your bunch, that's that means you're in for a really good time, I think. It truly is. It truly is. Well, let me get into it because uh, you'll hear all of these people directly in the entire review here. Are you ready? I'm ready. Uh, this film features three actors who I absolutely adore. Um, John Boyega, who I think is, is great, has so much range, has done so many excellent things, including... One that's near and dear to my heart, Attack the Block. Yes. That classic. Uh, Jamie Foxx, who is, I mean, I, I don't even need to say anything about Jamie Foxx. He's Jamie Foxx, and he does an amazing job. And Tayana Paris, who I saw for the first time in WandaVision, I think the first time was in WandaVision, and she is fantastic. She's in so many incredible things. I think she's she's awesome. So. Well, the good news is, is that they are in, they are our main characters. So Fontaine is John Boyega. Tayana Paris is Yo-Yo. Yeah. And Jamie Foxx is Slick Slick Charles. Charles. (laughs) Love it. And which one of those, Kirk, are you, uh, what's the word? Nominating? Nominating? Um, Um, Offering? uh, Something. Adorning? Adorning. Adorning. I don't know if that's right. The award of, and the Oscar goes to. Today, my Oscar goes to. Mr. John Boyega. Mm. You've seen him in Star Wars Episode 7, 8, and 9. A little less and less with, with each outing, unfortunately. Oh, no. <laughs> you just listen to him talk about it. <clears throat> Next up, we've got uh, a, a wonderful film. Uh, well, you said Attack the Block, which I've not seen. Yes. Gotta you see have that. to see it. Rectify that immediately. And two of the pieces of films that I think have really honed his skill in front of the camera and his skill for connecting with audiences and with his uh, relationships within within the film are a movie called Falling and this one, They Clone Tyrone. He's finally getting the roles that he deserves and that best suit him. You know, as an actor myself, I like to consider myself one still because I went to school for acting and I love nothing more than an actor who fully immerses themselves in a character where you lose every trace of the human that you think you know or that you see on the PR uh, field and run and the red carpets and the talk shows. And whether you agree with method acting or not, whether you care about it or not, whether you do it or not, an immersive experience starts with the the subtext to every single line that's given to you by the writer. It starts with the moment before every time you go into a scene. And John Boyega does all of that in every one of his scenes. I don't see John Boyega at all. I see Fontaine. <laughs> it's just incredible to watch because then you're not thinking about, oh, this actor is doing a really good job. You are sucked into the story that the writer intended and that the collaboration of the entire production team put together. And that is when a story truly sails. So thank goodness Fontaine is the lead character. He is the protagonist and he is the right actor for this role. I've seen him before where he has been in just generic 
woe is me films, um, films where they, they didn't quite understand what he could do, where he just kind of played the role, but he didn't become the role or elevate the role. And I don't really think that was his fault. But now with this role, Fontaine, he gives a truly deep, dimensional, humane uh, performance through through this lens and it really grabs your heart. That's so great to hear um, because I really like John Boyega and he was also in The Woman King, which I reviewed so oh. well, like we talked about at the beginning <laughs> of this episode and he was fantastic in that movie. So I think he's he is really coming into his own. Yeah. And I love to hear it. I think that he's a fabulous actor and I think that um, that's just, it's, it's good to hear. He can anchor a movie and just come into his own and do the things that we know he can do. That's true. That's awesome. I'm going to tell you about my scene stealer now. Yeah, let's do it. Spoiler alert, it's one of the three people I was talking about. What? <laughs> Who else could it be? It's going to be Tayana Paris. Yes. You know her as Monica Rambeau in the MCU, specifically in WandaVision so far. She's coming up in the Marvels. Um, looking at her her run here, she's also been in way more things that I haven't had the chance to see, but uh, some things I have, like she was in Candyman, but I don't remember her. Yes, in she Candyman. was good in Candyman. Yeah, um, really good. There's also uh, If Beale Street Could Talk. I've not had a chance mm-hmm. to watch that. Great and movie. Chirac back in 2015. So she has got a number of big performances, big shows, big films under her belt. And this was no exception right here. This was really fun to watch. She is an absolute hoot because I feel like in WandaVision, she is playing a very serious character. Like uh-huh. um, you, she gets some fun, funny moments, but she doesn't get to be a full blown comic in it almost like a captain america type character yeah you know like somebody who's just like very about the job yeah and she doesn't get a lot of quips oh my goodness she gets to fully become this this hustler of a character and she gets to make fun of herself she's very vulnerable the entire time um and she's not afraid to be that character um she is all the time messing with her wardrobe all the time playing with the props in front of her and no one else, no other character does that. Basically, they have to be handed a prop in this film. Uh, <laughs> not to, like, d- diminish their performance. It's just something that she exceeds at in this. Like, she'll be walking around, just picks up stuff, and, like, either just, like, you know, jumbles it in her hands or throws it across the room for no other reason but to uh, see how it makes her other co-stars react. Um, what I also love about her is that, you know, She's not going to be. They're, they're on. They're each on a different journey uh, under this uh, government uh, conspiracy, mm. and they're they each have a different uh, cathartic realization by the end of this. But kind of her role is she's kind of a victim in what she does in, in her in her hustle, her everyday hustling life. But she refuses to remain the victim. And she continues to just move forward. She doesn't want to say, feel bad for me for where I am. But she says, look where I'm going. And all this humor that plays out, it's not only a defense mechanism, but it's a catalyst to become something better. So you never feel sorry for her because she doesn't feel sorry for herself. There's never a monologue in here where there's this uh, deep, deep uh, sorrow. It's just genuinely a wonderful and exciting ride to see her grow. That's awesome. That's fantastic to hear. She is a she is an amazing amazing actor, and I love seeing her get these great roles um, in what sounds like a very like creative, thoughtful, uh, eccentric kind of movie. Yeah. So that's that's always fun because then you get to see different areas of people's acting range. Kirk, I want to know uh, this movie when you, when you look at it from the outside looking in. 
it is a bit of an enigma. Like you're trying to pinpoint, okay, what if this feels familiar in any way? What if this feels like something that I know? It's got a little bit of sci-fi going on. It's got yes. a little bit of uh, uh, black exploitation going on, oddly enough. <laughs> in terms of like the vibe, there's like fur coats and, you know, just kind of like these like very 70s type era outfits. What is your showstopper about this very interesting project? My showstopper is strictly the story of this film. And I feel like I've picked that a lot in recent movies, maybe uh-huh. in the past like 10. But because it's so unique to be good, I have to. So to break it down with you, a reminder, uh, plot is the series of events that unfolds in a film. This is not for you. I'm looking at I was, you. I was like, okay, got it. I'm, I'm like, yeah, are I'm, you going to give me a quiz later? Right. What's happening? That's right. A, B, it's multiple choice later oh, on. Oh, thank God. So the series of events. The story is the narration of that plot, exposing the viewpoints of the characters, the vulnerabilities of the characters, of their circumstances and their setting. That's the heart of the story. So you can have, you can know when you when you plan to write something, you're like, oh, it'd be really cool if there was a movie that, that this, this, and this happened in. But if you don't have a journey that the audience gets to go on through via audience surrogate of the characters and uh, the, to go through then you're not going to get anywhere then you're going to lose your audience immediately so the story of this is so wonderful and in this film we get the viewpoint of fontaine yo-yo and slick charles they're hustlers by survival by victim and by choice slick charles is our choice person and what's funny about him in particular is that he is writing this line of yes i know i'm I'm in this life i know there's another world out there but i'm gonna live in this world for as long as i can uh so it's very it's very fantastic to see each of those three play out and as the plot unfolds where we get this revelation of what held them back from their potential, what can move them all forward, and the way they interweave these three people together is just a, a very rhythmic dance. And no, there's never a straight person like you have a straight person and uh, a jokester, right? Mm-hmm. That's the that's the standard trope. You get all three of these like jabbing at each other and and ribbing each other, uh, making fun, roasting each other, making fun of each other, and then they then they'll stand up for one another at a completely random moment as well because they've known each other for a long time because they're in the same small community, and so that that just like that triangle of characters is so strong, and I love how they are integrated directly with the story. It's so strong and so good. That's awesome. Yeah, that's good to hear. A story. I'm a story kind of guy. I know. Mm-hmm. Like last episode, we did we did top top three uh, Christopher Nolan movies, and as we speak, I'm getting absolutely annihilated on TikTok <laughs> for uh, for not putting Interstellar on my list and putting Dunkirk above Interstellar. But if you were to if you were to compare those films, one of the areas you could say that Dunkirk, in in my opinion, excels over Interstellar is story is the plot is the you know the meat and potatoes of the film i love a narrative and i love characters and there's so much going on with dunkirk it sounds like this movie yes prioritizes story so that's that's right in my wheelhouse it certainly does it certainly does i gotta know the other side the the nasty side what is it about this movie that that grinds your gears what is it that gets under your skin and made you made you kind of feel like there was something left on the table it's very clear for me it's one moment Uh-oh. it's the biggest reveal of the film mm. and you cannot see it it's too dark oh weird <laughs> I, I rewound this part like six times and i changed the 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 brightness on my ipad i switched it to my television i've you know messed with that the the biggest reveal is too dark and too fuzzy where it makes you feel like 
well, are my suspicions correct or am I in this weird state where you're going to reveal it in a minute? It's oh, kinda, you actually don't know if the reveal was revealed. You do about a minute and a half later. Okay. But that feels like a lifetime. It's kind of like in Frozen 2 when... Of course. When they go to the Enchanted Forest and you see the the, the frozen sculpture and you're like, oh, I bet that's her, her mom. I bet yeah, that's her yeah, mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Immediately, without question. And then... You, you're like, why aren't they talking about the statue? That's clearly her mom. That's clearly her mom. <laughs> right. And it's vague. And then they come back to it like, oh my goodness, it's your mom. It's that sort of feeling right there. Okay. So that part frustrated me beyond belief because it didn't trust its audience and it didn't, it wasn't clear enough uh, visually, which was a big frustration. Yeah. You got to trust the audience. That's the key. It's, I think it's probably the hardest part because, and I say that as someone who's never written or directed a movie but I, the reason I think it's the hardest part is that so many even really 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 gifted um, storytellers and, and and filmmakers they misstep on that yes oftentimes they'll they'll misstep on it and they can make a bunch of good movies but they'll for sure have one where it's like ah they weren't willing to trust the audience enough at that point so it's tough man it really is all right Kirk send us home what what's uh, what are your final thoughts and score for this movie? I think 100% if you're considering this movie, which you should, you need to watch it without ever looking at the trailer. I saw the trailer okay. a long time ago. I completely forgot that I did. And I rewatched it uh, today. And I said, holy cow, they're giving everything away. <laughs> it's it's insane. So many problems with trailers these days do that because they are, again, not trusting their audience. They feel like they have to give more details to suck them in. And that is the opposite of what needs to happen. I like to think of the Oppenheimer trailer yeah. where I kept seeing the new the newest released one. I'm like, give me more. And I'm so glad they didn't because <laughs> yeah. I, I loved every moment of it. So see this movie. Don't watch the trailer at all uh this film this film truly tells an isolated story in an isolated town and i'm sure it speaks very loudly to millions of black americans it spoke loudly to me and i'm not the target audience for this it is very powerful a very clear message in all of the satire and the jokes and the the stereotypes that each of our main three black actors are referencing jabbing at uh, announcing to the world it is so clear the undertones of this movie are such a bigger message and i have not seen a satire like this in so long mm. for two for two one one that was actually compelling from start to finish uh, number two was so funny from start to finish and here's a third one was such an important strong message and I don't want to give too much more away on that and the cloning and the community that you need to go and subscribe on Netflix you can't use Cam's password because he's off absolutely right not you cannot <laughs> but you can you can go ahead and get a free trial and watch this movie we <laughs> shall not we shall not be moved <laughs> Netflix oh my goodness the hyperbole it's hilarious and it's painfully true at the same time they clone Tyrone gets a 9.2 out of 10 kernels Ooh, for me we need a 9 alarm <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that's that's big. That's a big time score. Niner, niner, two, niner. Two weeks in a row with nines. Sheesh. Yeah, that's big time. I'm being super specific on. All right, choices. I'll resubscribe to Netflix. You need to do it. You need to take it. Netflix. It's gonna draw him back. Why did it have to come to this? Why so did it have to. We need to talk about uh, anything else. Is there anything else on our plate here? I don't think so. Well, we reviewed two films, and guess what? We did it in the time it takes to review one film. Oh. 
That is a twofer. As that's they called call efficiency. It. If I did that at work, I'd probably get a raise. <laughs> or they'd give you even more work to do. Yes, and that's, not that, additional pay. Sometimes that happens too. <laughs> well, thank you all so much for joining us once again. We are so excited on this new format with these extra cameras and our sponsors at Smoothie King. We couldn't do it without any of you. If you're thinking of becoming a sponsor, reach out to us at Popcorn for Breakfast Podcast at gmail.com. And on that, the whole word is spelled popcorn for F-O-R, breakfast podcast at gmail.com. And you can also check out all of the original music of this uh, podcast from Rhetoric and our EP, Ryan Spriggs. They're called Rhetoric. Check them out on Spotify or wherever you like to stream music. I'm Kirk. That's Cam. We will see you next time. Talk to you then.